Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Open your Bible with me tonight to the book of Jude. We want to use the same text tonight that we used last week. Praise the Lord. Last week I taught on uh, the question, the title of my message was a question, and it, and it was, uh, uh, is, <laughs> is speaking in tongues a valid experience today? And I answered the question in my message. And uh, we have copies of my outline up here. Now I added a point between last week's three and four. I added another point, and then I had to shift the numbers down, but then that made 11 points instead of 10, and it pushed it off of that sheet of paper, and I wanted to keep it on one sheet, so I combined uh, the new 10 and 11 together, which was the old 9 and 10, so there's a new point, number four, that you didn't get last week, praise the Lord, so it's on the outline, and, uh, and then I had to reduce the font even a little bit to keep it on one page, but it, it's there, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And, uh, and so I also have uh, uh, copies of my outline for tonight, and uh, it's available after church as well. And uh, in Jude chapter, well, there's only one chapter in Jude, but in verse number, in verse number three, it says, Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. And he said, uh, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. And the word contend there for, the, for uh, contending for the faith, it means to defend the faith, to, to earnestly or even you could say aggressively uh, defend the faith. And it's, of course it's not talking about being defensive, but it's talking about knowing what you believe and being able to uh, present God's word and the truth of God uh, in a convincing way to people who want to contradict God's word. And again, not to be argumentative, but sometimes people uh, contradict God's word and they don't do it in a mean spirit. They don't do it to be argumentative. Sometimes they just don't know. And when it comes to the subject of speaking with other tongues, uh, you know, speaking with other tongues is something that is still very much misunderstood in the body of Christ. And of course it is, you know, outside the body of Christ in the world. But, but even in the church world, it's something that's very uh, misunderstood. And uh, we've been talking a lot around here about revival and about what God uh, is doing in these last days. And I'm firmly convinced that before the Lord Jesus returns, there will be a tremendous uh, last hour in gathering of, of people born again into the family of God, saved and delivered and so forth. And they will also be brought into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the truth of the baptism with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues will be a central component of this last day move of God. And, uh, you know, God always builds. When revelation comes, he always takes something from the last generation and builds on it. He doesn't discard anything if it's truth, but he builds on it. And uh, <clears throat> the latest or the last really uh, uh, substantial or uh, uh, great revival to come to the church was the charismatic revival. Now, out of that, there was a, a component of that, which was the teaching revival in the word of faith. And that was a movement uh, identifying, uh, you can identify it uh, by itself, but it was really part of the greater charismatic movement. And, uh, of course, if you know anything about that move of God in the 60s and 70s, it, it was a, a, a move and a revival that brought 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues into the mainstream. Up until that time, uh, you know, Pentecostal people were shunned and looked down upon and, and outside of the ranks of Pentecostal churches, all the other denominations discredited uh, speaking with other tongues and, and maligned it and, uh, and so forth. But when the charismatic revival came in the 1960s and, and into the 1970s and a little bit beyond that, uh, uh, you know, people were baptized in the Holy Spirit in all the denominations, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Lutheran, uh, just, you know, all, and, and not just in America, but around the world. It was a, a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit and a tremendous uh, a revelation, amount of, of understanding came about uh, the fact that God wills, you know, it's God's will that we not only be born again, but there's a second experience called being filled with the Holy Spirit and that speaking with other tongues is is a valid experience and something for all believers. Now, all of the people in the different denominations didn't receive it, but there there were notable and substantial uh, um, uh, groups of people and, and numbers of people in all of these denominations that were swept into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, when that happened, it, it was really hard for the church world that uh, denominations, for instance, that uh, had previously denied the validity of these things, it was really hard to do that anymore because they had people sitting in their own congregations, you know, that were speaking with other tongues and talking a lot about it. And, uh, and so they, they had to kind of come uh, to terms with it. But still, a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, misunderstanding and a lot of, of uh, doubt still exists. Uh, among people who've never experienced this. You know, speaking with other tongues is a spiritual experience. And uh, you, have to, you have to have a certain amount of spiritual understanding. That this, this might sound like this is a prideful statement. I don't mean it that way. But you have to have a certain degree of understanding of spiritual things to... Uh, to let me back up and let me say it a little differently. For a person uh, to see the validity of the, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that, that comes by revelation from God's word and it's, and it's an expanding of that person's uh, view of the Bible and understanding of spiritual things. But then when it happens, it's a spiritual experience that you just didn't have before. And if you don't have that experience from the outside, you can wonder what it's all about. Not unlike unsaved people wonder what salvation's all about. If they've never experienced it, uh, to them it doesn't seem to be important. But, uh, and, and, and by the same uh, token, people who in the church have never experienced speaking with other, with other tongues, they, they don't understand why it's important or why we make such a, a, an important uh, uh, to-do over it. But uh, notice here it says, I find it necessary to write to you exhorting you to, Contend earnestly for the faith. Now, this is talking about the Christian faith. When it says contend for the faith, it's talking about the body of truth and, I would add, experience. Everything that goes uh, along with being a Christian. Everything that's of the Christian faith. Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues is of the Christian faith. It's part of it. And it says it was once for all delivered to the saints. That tells me that this truth, this body of truth that we have contained in the New Testament was once for all, you could say for all time, committed to the church. God hasn't taken any of it back. And so because of that, uh, when, when there are parts of it or aspects or, uh, of the faith that people don't see, don't understand, and don't have in their lives, then uh, somebody who has the light has to be able to speak up about it. And so I, I offer this teaching so that uh, when you encounter people, not to be argumentative, I, I learned a long time ago, you never win a religious argument. You just, it's, it's just not possible to win it. You might, you might prevail in your, in your uh, understanding of things, but you won't convince anybody when you start arguing. Uh, but when people are genuinely uh, interested or open, and especially when people are hungry, we as Pentecostal people, we ought to be able to step up to the plate and give them line upon line, precept upon precept from the Word of God uh, that can uh, answer their questions, substantiate what the Bible says, and, and then refute wrong teachings 
not to, not to try to correct somebody, but, but people are bound by traditional ideas that are not Bible. Traditional thoughts and ideas and, and, and uh, teachings and so forth that didn't come from God. And people are bound by those things a lot of times. And um, the truth sets people free. Amen. And so this is designed to, to help you uh, be equipped, like Peter said, to always be ready to give an answer for the, for the reason of the hope that lies within you. And so that includes the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so in that uh, spirit, I've, I've uh, uh, presented this. And it said in verse 4, for, un, for certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, he's talking here about uh, the basic truths of salvation and people that crept into the church to undermine grace. And we see that today. We have people who are turning the grace of God into lewdness and into uh, permissiveness and so forth. And, and we need to be on our guard against all of these things. But uh, also uh, concerning anything that is taught or believed by people that are un, that's not scripture, we ought to be able to step up and say, well, here's what the Bible says. And amen. So, so last week I, I, I answered the question, is speaking with other tongues a valid experience today? And today I want to give seven reasons uh, to pray in tongues. Now, the last point last week, uh, that I made was that speaking in tongues has many important purposes and benefits which cannot honorably be discarded. I might have changed the wording a little bit on this, but uh, speaking in tongues has many important purposes and benefits. Well, I didn't have time to get into the purposes and benefits. My only point was speaking of other tongues is not just... Uh, is not just a, a spiritual experience that satisfies uh, a, a non-essential desire. In other words, it's not just something that we receive that makes us feel good or uh, you know, causes us to be excited. Or it, it, there's an, there, there are many actual benefits and purposes that God has ordained uh, for speaking with, with, with other tongues. And a person cannot honorably dismiss those things. Now, you can dismiss it if you want to, but you can't, you can't honorably dismiss because if God has something and he has a purpose for it and it has a benefit, then to dismiss that is, is arrogance. Isn't that right? I know that uh, some people have said, well, you know, speaking of other tongues is the le- one of the lesser gifts or the lesser gifts. And, you know, it's one of, it's not an important gift. Paul made the statement in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, but earnestly desired the best gifts. Well, he wasn't just talking about gifts of the Spirit. He was talking about gifts of the Spirit and ministry gifts because that chapter was dealing with ministry gifts as well as spiritual gifts. But when he said earnestly desire the best gifts, he's not saying don't desire other gifts. Well, what would be the best gifts? Well, um, anything God has, if you need it at that time, that's the best gift. Amen. Whatever is needed at the time is what I need. What I need is, is the best thing for me at that time. And, uh, and I made this statement last week. I said, you know, this idea that tongues is a lesser gift and so it's not important, you know. Uh, and so people have all kinds of ideas what the best gift in their view is. But, you know, it, if God has something that he has given me, if it's a gift from God, I want it. There's no such thing as a less gift or an unimportant gift from God. Now, you might have gotten some, some unimportant gifts at Christmas, from, from somebody, but uh, God doesn't have anything you don't want, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're smart, that is. He doesn't have anything you don't want. Everything he has is good. And I made the comment, you know, last week about God's bargain basement. Uh, God doesn't have any bargain basement, but if he did, I'd want everything in it. 
Amen. And so anyway, we talked about that. Tonight I want to talk about seven reasons to pray in tongues. And this is different. This is, this is put together differently than I've ever done before. This is not just an old message, you know, warmed up. Uh, I, I, gave, I, I got this specifically from the Lord in this order. And so reason number one to pray in other tongues, go with me over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Romans 8. Verse number 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Now, the older King James said infirmities. The Spirit himself helps in our infirmities. And uh, a lot of people have the idea that's talking about sickness and disease. Well, sickness is an, is an infirmity. But the word in the, the original Greek word for infirmity just simply means a weakness. Well, if your back is out, that's a weakness. That'd be a physical infirmity. But you can have mental infirmities, physical infirmities. You can have a financial infirmity. I mean, if you can't pay your bills, you, that's a weakness. Isn't that right? So he says the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, plural. But then he tells us specifically what kind of weakness he's talking about. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We have a weakness in prayer. Because the Apostle Paul here, writing by the inspiration of the Spirit, he says the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. So that is, it's, it's, it's implicit in this that we have weaknesses. And the weakness we have in prayer is that we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Notice he didn't say the Spirit helps in our weaknesses if we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. That's not what he said. He said, for we do not know. You know, you don't know what to pray for as you ought. And to, and to pretend otherwise, to begin with, would be unscriptural because he said we don't know. So to say you do know what to pray for as you ought, then you've just, you've, you're, you're arguing with God. He said we do. Now notice he didn't say you don't know because that would infer that he did know, but we didn't. He didn't, he didn't say uh, I don't know, inferring that, that we know, but he didn't. He said we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Now the Apostle Paul, think about the amount of revelation he had on the will of God. Think about what he knew. Think about the, the uh, experience he had with the Lord. Think about how much he knew about prayer. And yet he said, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Now, sometimes we know what to pray for, but not as we ought. We don't know, we don't know enough about the situation. And I would say that that's most of the time that's true. Now, now there are there are some things that uh, that are not that. There are some things that are just real simple. And you know, if 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 you're if you've broken your arm, you know you need your arm healed. You, you don't need a, you don't need to seek God on that, you know, because you, you know if you're hurting, you need to stop hurting. Isn't that right? If you if you can't pay your bills, you 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 know you need. Uh, the money to pay your bills. So we know what to pray for and sometimes that's enough. In other words, just a, just a simple, the simple basic understanding of God's word is enough. That's why the Bible continually tells us to ask. You know, Jesus said, ask and it shall be. How many of you read that this week? You know, ask and it shall be given to you. And the interesting thing there, this is kind of off my topic a little bit, but the interesting thing there about ask, seek and knock is that in the, in the original Greek, it actually says ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Now, when, when I saw that, and I saw it confirmed by a number of different Greek uh, commentaries, you know, because I don't, I don't read Greek, but I read English, you know, and people that write about it. And the Greek scholars, you know, they said that word actually means to ask and keep on asking. At first I thought, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like faith. Because Jesus said, whatever things you desire, 
when you pray, or, or the New King James, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. Well, how many, how many times do you have to ask? Not a trick question. Once. I mean, if you, if you believe you receive it, you're not going to come back tomorrow and ask again. Well, what about this? What about uh, chapter, uh, in, in, in whatever chapter of Luke that was this week, but it's also in, in uh, Matthew's gospel. What about that where it says, uh, uh, ask, is that the 10th chapter? I think it is. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. What, is, what does that mean? Well, if you just read down the next sentence, for everyone who asks receives. What he's simply saying is you should have a lifestyle of asking. You should be asking all the time. You should, you should ask and keep on and believe you receive it and then ask for something else. We ought to have a lifestyle of asking, seeking, knocking. We ought to be reaching for more all the time. And if you, don't, if you can't think of anything else to ask for, you need help. Because the rest of us can tell you some things you need. Amen. Isn't that right? So we all need more. We need to have more. We need to see more. We need to experience more. We, we, need, we need more. So all he's saying is keep on asking. Don't, in other words, God's not, God's not offended by our much asking. He wants us to ask in faith. And when we ask, believe we receive it, but then turn around, well, what's the next thing you need? Ask. Amen? So we ought to have a lifestyle of asking. Amen. I don't know how I got off on that, but anyway, praise the Lord. We know basically some things to, to ask for, but we don't always know fully how to ask. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. And a lot of times when people have a, a situation where they're, they're, they ask God for something in faith, something from the word, and they believe they receive it, uh, sometimes people will go on and on and on and on and on, not receiving their answer. And, you know, at some point, if you've believed you receive and you're acting in your faith and something's not working, something you don't know. We, we were with a pastor today, you know, just fellowshipping and... and uh, uh, this pastor was telling us that there was someone uh, in their church that has this, you know, real serious uh, uh, physical infirmity, physical disease, and, and uh, oh, they're in faith. They're standing in faith, have been for years. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. Standing in faith, making all the right confessions. Something's not working. You know, Brother Hagen said he read a statement by Lillian Yeomans years ago and, uh, and she was a medical doctor that uh, uh, had gotten uh, hooked on narcotics. She had some kind of a pain issue, and she started taking nar narcotics because she could prescribe it for herself. She got hooked, became, a, became a, a, an addict, and uh, God saved her and delivered her supernaturally, and then she started preaching the gospel and started preaching on the healing. And, uh, but she made the statement. She said, if I ask God for anything and I don't get it, she said, I immediately start changing. Because I know God never changes and something's going to have to change. If, if I've asked and nothing's happened, then something's going to have to change. Since God never changes, it has to be with me. Brother Hagin said he picked that up from her and he employed that all of his life. And he said that's exactly the way he approached things. If he asked God for anything and, and he doesn't get it, he said he starts changing. Well, changing what? You don't know what to pray for as you ought. So there are things that we know from the Bible that belongs to us, but what's standing in the way? What's hindering us from getting that answer? Or how is it that we need to act on the word? What can we do to put our faith into motion and to activate our faith? We have to have the leading of the Holy Ghost. He said, the Holy Spirit helps in this prayer infirmity for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You know this, a lot of times someone will come to you and they'll say, you know, I've got this problem at work 
and, you know, my boss is just, you know, really hard to get along with or, you know, I've got conflict with people at work and, and, and it's just really troubling, but will you pray with me about this? And, you know, when people tell you their story, they're always in the clear. You ever notice that? They're just the, the, the perfect employee and, you know, they're doing everything right, but they're being persecuted so much. People don't understand them. They don't appreciate them and, and, and so forth. Well, you know, there's usually a whole lot more than, than they're telling you. And sometimes there's more than they even see. And uh, so we don't know what to pray for as we ought to pray. So that's point number one. We have a weakness in prayer. We don't know what to pray for as we ought to. Number two, it says here the Spirit helps this weakness. He helps in this weakness. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But here's the help. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So we have a weakness in prayer. We don't know what to pray for. And the Holy Spirit has provided specific help for this weakness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit has provided specific help for the weakness of Everybody has. No one's exempt. Everyone has this weakness in prayer. Everyone has this weakness that they don't know what to pray for as they ought. So you do. I don't care how smart you think you are, how, how anything. It's true of you. If you'll admit it, you know it's true. Well, number two, the Holy Spirit has provided specific help just for your problem, just for this need. Well, again, going back to the logic of the bargain basement, if the Holy Spirit has provided help for something, I need it. So that's a reason to pray in other tongues because that's, that's, that's how he helps us. So if he's provided the help, I need it. Amen. Uh, and, it's, and, he's, and he's provided this specifically for this weakness. Now, notice what he says. For the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, if you go back and look up the word uttered, it comes from, it's a derivative, not in the English, but the original Greek word that's translated uttered, it's a derivative, comes from another root word that means to speak words, to utter words. Remember in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They had, there was utterance. It, it, utterance has to do with speaking. Now here it says part of our uh, infirmity is we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Many translations, or I should say several translations say, with yearnings, intense yearnings, which cannot find expression in our ordinary words. One translation said, uh, in, in words that we understand. There are some things that God, there are some answers that the Holy Spirit can only give you through other tongues. Now, this passage really has to do with more than speaking with tongues because it talks about groanings. And there is a work of the Spirit when, when sometimes when we are so burdened in prayer, when there's such a yearning, there, a yearning can come up on the inside of you sometimes in prayer that you can't, you can't put in, in any kind of articulate speech. They're just groanings. And if you've never, if you don't know what that is, well, uh, you know, that's okay. But I'm telling you, it's real. It's very real. Now, it, thank God it doesn't happen all the time because it's really not very comfortable. It can be very intense. And, and thank God, it's, it's, it, it, the reason it doesn't happen that often is it's not necessary that often. 
But sometimes it is necessary. But the Holy Spirit himself, himself makes utter, uh, intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered in our ordinary manner of speech. So this includes uh, speaking with other tongues. Now, uh, why is this important? Well, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, uh, chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So point number two is the Holy Spirit has supplied help specifically for this weakness. Well, if he supplied the help, then I need it because I have this weakness. Amen. Well, well why, why, is that, why is speaking with other tongues, how is that the answer? How is that the answer? In 1 Corinthians 14, in verse number 14, he said, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. So when a person is praying with other tongues, he's praying with his spirit. It's his spirit praying. That's praying with the spirit. Well, folks who don't understand uh, spiritual things very well, they usually don't understand that they're a spirit. See, you are a spirit being. In in, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about the word of God divides between soul and spirit. Most Christians don't know that there's any difference between soul and spirit, if they ever even think about it. Most Christians, if you ask them to describe the makeup of a a person, you know, the, the spiritual makeup, they'll say body and soul. Well, first of all, they say that because they've got it out of order. They've got the body first. Most Christians are more body conscious than anything else. They'll say body and soul, but body should come last. Amen. In, in the divine order of things. But it's not, we're not just soul and body, we're spirit, soul, and body. And if you read most commentaries, and I've got shelves full of them, most commentaries, the writers are all confused about the, they'll try to, you know, analyze is there a difference and they, and they start attributing, you know, what is the spirit and what's the soul. And I'm telling you, it's so muddied up. It's just, it's confusing. They, they uh, uh, con, you know, contradict themselves, you know, one paragraph and write something, the next paragraph doesn't even make any sense. And years ago, Kenneth Hagin, he, had, he was so profound in that he was able, he was the first person I'd ever read who was able to distinguish between the spirit and the soul. If the, if the word of God can uh, divide between soul and spirit, there must be a difference. Well, the difference is when you were born again, your spirit man was recreated. That's, that's the part of you that is made in the image of God. That part of you that was dead and trespasses and sin, it wasn't just your soul. Your inward man, your spirit man that came from God was dead in trespasses and sin. That simply means it was cut off from the life of God. And when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, your spirit is what was recreated. Your soul wasn't recreated. Your soul didn't get born again. Your body didn't get born again. It was your inward man, the spirit, is what was born again. That's The Holy Spirit moved and recreated uh, in the place of that old man. He recreated a brand new spirit man. That's the part of you that is like God, that is indwelt by his spirit. With your spirit, you communicate with God because God is a spirit. Now, the soul of man, if you look up the word soul in the New Testament, it comes from the Greek word suche, P-S-U-C-H-E, and we get all of the derivatives of that, of psychology uh, and so forth. And that is the study of the human mind. The soul of man technically is that part of man, the mind, the will, the emotions. And then sometimes in Scripture, the soul talking about uh, a man's soul is just talking about the whole package, the whole person, a being. God breathed into to Adam the breath of life and he became a living soul. The, the New King James says he became a living being. 
So sometimes the word soul is a word that just encompasses a being. But when you're looking specifically, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and your spirit and soul live inside your body. So the spirit and soul are two different things. The soul, like I said, is your mind, your will, your emotions, the, that part of, of you that's, that's uh, uh, involved in, in your personality and so forth. That's an important thing, but that's the part of man that we renew. Your soul doesn't get born again. It gets renewed. Your spirit gets born again. You, can't, you cannot improve on the new birth. You didn't get partially born again. You can't get an upgrade on being born again. You know, your spirit was recreated with the life and the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ in it when you were born again. You can't improve on that. But you can improve with your, in, in your soulish realm. You can improve with your mind and your will and your emotions and, and those things. And you do that by getting into the word of God and renewing uh, those things. Amen? Well, he said here, if I pray in other tongues, my spirit prays. Isn't that important? Think about that. People who don't speak with other tongues, their spirit never prays. Because he said, if I pray in an unknown tongue, what does it say? My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Well, what is your understanding? Well, this right up here. Most Christians spend their entire life praying out of here praying out of their understanding and the problem is their understanding is not very big and I'm not criticizing anybody mine's not either when it comes to spiritual things when it, when it comes to one particular need that I have like I said I don't know what to pray for as I ought somebody turns in a prayer request or I have a need in my life I can present it to the Lord up to the point that I understand it but there's a lot of times a lot about it I don't understand well if I don't understand it how can I pray about it The only way I can pray about what I don't understand is when my spirit prays because my spirit can pray. I can pray in other tongues and when I pray in other tongues, my spirit is praying apart from my understanding. And because it's apart from my understanding, my understanding doesn't enter into it. You know, if if you have to pray with your understanding, if, if you were bound by that or limited to that, then when you got to the end of your understanding, that's as far as you could go with God. You couldn't advance that prayer need any further. You couldn't explain it anymore. You couldn't, you couldn't talk to the Lord anymore about it because your understanding blocked you. It's all you know. But I can pray with my spirit. My spirit can pray, and by praying in other tongues, I'm praying by the help of the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our prayer weakness. How does he help us? One way is, is by giving us utterance in other tongues and our spirit is praying. Now my spirit is praying. God's giving the words. He knows the full detail. He knows every nuance. He knows everything about the whole picture inside and out, upside and down, upside and up, up and down. And I'm not what I'm trying to say here, but you know what I'm trying to say. In other words, God understands everything about it. He understands the total picture and when I'm praying in other tongues, he gives me utterance and I accurately, completely, thoroughly can hit the nail right on the head. I can pray every aspect of it. I can, I can talk to God fluently about the whole thing. Well, why is that important? Well, because like John Wesley said many years ago, He said, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that God can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Now, he had a little insight. He said, it seems like God can do nothing for man unless someone asks him. Actually, he was absolutely right. There are a lot of things that God cannot do unless someone asks him. Now, I know that flies in the face of all of the sovereignists. You know, the people that teach the sovereignty doctrine, everything. Some Christians, every time you talk to them, we'll talk about God is sovereign. God, God's sovereign. He does what he wants. And, and uh, nothing that he doesn't want can happen. And everything he wants will happen. God is sovereign. Well, the problem is God is sovereign in heaven, but he's not sovereign here. Well, he's not. 
Well, if he was, why don't you come to church more? If God, is, if God is sovereign and he always gets his way, why don't you give more? Why don't you treat people better? Why don't you have certain things from God that you don't have? If he's sovereign, Jesus said concerning the harvest, he said, the, white, the fields are white unto harvest. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers out into his harvest. Well, if it's his harvest and they're his laborers and he wants them to go out because he wouldn't, he wouldn't tell us to pray that the Lord would send them if it wasn't his will for them to be sent. So if God wants to send them and they belong to him and the harvest is his, why didn't he just do it? Why would we have to pray? Because nothing happens here in the earth unless someone asks him. See, we have, that's, otherwise there's really no purpose in prayer. God didn't create prayer just to keep us busy. Just to give us something to make us feel like, you know, we had a part to play. He's going to do whatever he wants. This is a lot of Christians. In effect, they wouldn't admit it. They don't, they don't actually put it together this way. But in effect, most Christians believe that God's doing what he wants. He's up in heaven. He's got these marionette strings and he's just moving people around and they're jumping around and doing different things. God does whatever he wants with everybody. And we're just praying. And if we, if we happen to pray the right thing, then God will do it. But if we don't, he'll just do what he wants to anyway. Well, that's, that's not true. Brother Steve, tonight, he, he quoted the scripture. He said, God knows the things that you need to you have need of. But in the same passage, he said, ask. Well, if God already knows, why does he want me to ask? What if I don't ask? If I don't ask, James said, you have not because you ask not. And you ask and receive not because you ask wrong. Well, God knew what I meant. God knows what I, a lot of people believe that. I can just ask anything. And, and their prayer life was sort of similar to, you know, these anti-aircraft guns, you know, they shoot what they call flak, you know, when the planes are going over. They just, you know, they're just shooting up in the air. They don't see anything. They just hear a sound, you know, and they're just rattling off these. And, and a lot of people's prayer life was sort of like that. They're just praying all kind of stuff, just hoping something hits. <laughs> just something, something connects somewhere with the will of God. That's not what prayer is supposed to be. No, God responds when someone asks him, well, if I don't know what to pray for as I ought to pray, that's a weakness. Because if I don't know to ask as I ought to, God can't give me what he wants to so my spirit can pray. Oh, hallelujah. My understanding, is, a, is, it, is it valuable to have uh, your understanding unfruitful? Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen, that's number three. We pray in tongues. When we pray in tongues, our spirit prays. Our understanding is unfruitful. Well, glory, let's hurry. Number four. Number two, no, number one was we have a weakness in prayer. We don't know what to pray for as we all. Number two, the Holy Spirit has supplied help specifically for this weakness. Number three, when we pray in tongues, I have this outline you can get after church. When we pray in tongues, what? I didn't? Sorry, that's number three. It's right here on my sheet. When we pray in tongues, our spirit prays, but our understanding is unfruitful. That's number three. Number four, when we pray in tongues, we speak mysteries. That's how this all comes together. In the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, verse number two, two he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. That's one of the biggest complaints that people have who aren't filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the biggest stumbling blocks they have is, yeah, but why do you make all of, why do you say all of that? That See, they just think it's some kind of babble, that you're just, you know, making sounds. Why do you, why do you pray in other, you don't know what you're saying. So what are you praying? I don't know what I'm praying. Well, why would you want to do that? Because for me to know what I'm saying then I'm going to be limited by what I know. But if I don't know what I'm saying and the Holy Spirit is giving me utterance, then what is happening here, he says, 
He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. That's good. That's biblical. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. That's not babble. That's not just a, 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 bunch, a bunch of uh, mumbo jumbo. In the spirit, speaking in other tongues, praying in other tongues, he says he speaks mysteries to God. I like one of the alternative translations. I think it's, yeah, it is Moffat's. He says, it says here, he is talking of divine secrets in the spirit. Talking divine secrets, speaking divine secrets. Oh, glory to God. Is there any benefit to that? Yeah, those secrets are the things you don't know. Those secrets have to do with the things you don't know to pray for as you ought. They're secrets. And a lot of times, while you're praying in the, in the Holy Spirit and after you pray in the Holy Spirit, they're still secrets. Because the Lord doesn't always reveal what it is you've prayed for. I would say most of the time he doesn't. Sometimes, sometimes, probably a small percentage of time, he will actually give you understanding of what you prayed in the Spirit. He can do that through the interpretation of tongues or he can just do that by a specific revelation that he brings up in your spirit. But the majority of, time, of the time, when you pray in other tongues, you're praying, those th- you're praying for things as you ought. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit helps us. He helps us by praying in other tongues. When we're praying in other tongues, we're praying as we ought about that thing. But that doesn't mean that we need to know what it is. We, there are a lot of things we don't need to know. There are a lot of things that if we knew, it would trip us up. Amen. I, uh, you know, I prayed, I prayed a long time about uh, going to, to going into, for instance, going into the ministry. I prayed a lot about it. Thank God I didn't know what I was praying about. Because I, I was convinced I wasn't going to be a pastor. I was, con- I was absolutely convinced I was going to have a traveling ministry and I was going to go around to churches, you know, and holding meetings and, and, and so forth. That's, I was just convinced that was true. And, you know, I, now Pastor Angela, she was, she flat said, we're not pastoring. She said, I am not we're, we'll go to Bible school, but you, she said, she pointed her finger. She said, but you, I'm telling you, we will never pastor. You get that? And I said, hey, I'm not called to pastor. Well, what if I had known? What if I had known when I was praying? What if I knew that I was praying about this church and I was praying about pastoring? Because I'm certain that some of that time I was, I'd had a real problem on my hands. I would have had to say, uh, well, uh, sorry, but yeah, we are going to pastor. She, just, she says she would say, not going to do it. Now, she was pretty stubborn. I mean, I'd just gotten her to where she'd go to church. Just, just gotten her where she'd go to church, and now I'm telling her we're going into the ministry. And I mean, I was shaking in my boots just... You know, just telling her that much. I thought, oh, Lord, she is going to flip out. I just got her where she's going to church and actually entering in a little bit. She went to church for a year or so just to, you know, just to socialize. You know, wouldn't respond to anything the preacher said. You know, wouldn't pray, wouldn't go down front, wouldn't do anything. And it just got her out of that, just where she just relaxed a little bit and started receiving a little bit, just letting her guard down a little bit. And now I'm telling her we're going into the ministry. If I'd have told her we're going to pastor, she might have left me. I don't know. Because she, you know, she came out of a pastor's home. Her parents were pastors. She didn't want anything to do with it. And uh, that, that could have been the end of it. So thank God he doesn't tell us all about these secrets. Because a lot of times if you knew what, you, what God has for you and what you're praying about, sometimes praying in the spirit, you're praying way down the road about things. Well, if you know, if you had revelation of those things, sometimes you would start trying to make something. On one hand, you'd try, you might run the other way, like in Angela's case. I'm not doing that and just completely miss God. 
Or you might get so excited about it, about what God has for you, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, you know, you might be so excited about it that you might try to make it happen. What, what, if, what, if, you were, what if you were single and you're praying in other tongues and, and, and the Lord gives you that, that mystery that you're praying, you're praying about your spouse? And what if you suddenly understood who you were praying about? Poor guy. He's sitting in church unexpecting, you know, just unaware. And all of a sudden, this girl has revelation by the Spirit of God that they're going to be married, they're going to have three kids, their first child's going to be an engineer, the next child's going to be a hairstylist, and the next child is going to be, uh, 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 is going to die young. Oh, Lord. Talking about running somebody off. You could run a little young man away, couldn't you? Well, yeah, you don't need to know everything about the future. Amen. We speak mysteries in the spirit, divine secrets. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Number five, God understands this important kind of praying. Thank God. Go back to Romans chapter eight. I'll close real quickly with these, with these last three points. Yeah, I will. Verse 27 Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints. No, I won't finish either. I just realized I won't. I I forgot what my other points were. And I just realized they're they're too important to just gloss over. Well, praise the Lord next time. Hallelujah. We'll pick up here. We got four of them done. Amen. Just introduced number five. Praise God. Praying with other, with other tongues is so critically important. And when people, if people would just understand that, but people who aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit, they just think, well, I don't know what all that's about. I'm just not interested. It's not, you know, I, had, I just heard somebody recently, just heard of someone recently that, that has been filled with the Holy Spirit and has prayed with other tongues. Someone recently, I heard this comment, came to me and they said, well, I, I, you know, I pray in the Spirit, but I can't tell that it's ever done any good. Doesn't seem to help me. Well, they don't understand. See, if, if they just understood the word that we have a weakness in prayer and he helps in that weakness with speaking to other tongues, then that, you know, you, you wouldn't make a statement like that. Because it, praying in other tongues is a spiritual exercise. It's not a mental exercise and it's not a physical exercise. My spirit prays. And so whether you feel like it does anything, whether you feel like it accomplishes anything or not is, not, is not even relevant because it's not a feeling. It's based on the truth of God's word. It's a, it's a provision and a, and a vehicle, if you want to call it that. It's a spiritual operation that God has designed, created, prepared to meet a need we have in prayer. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.